0: Thank you, Mark. Um, You know, usually for something like this, I prepare well in advance. And I know what I'm going to say. But I have been so busy with getting my household stuff in order, like we're getting ready to sell our house. And that has kept me busy. So it has kept my mind occupied. So I have had no chance to worry. and I just thought, okay, what's your topic gonna be? Well, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, that's a pretty standard. And, and uh, that's what I'm gonna go with because that is what I know, you know? I um, i didn't start out thinking I was an alcoholic or thinking I had any troubles. I thought everything else, well, everything around me was um, everyone else's problem, not me. And you know, so uh, someone here identified as codependent, and yes, that is that is kind of the first thing that I I, I recognized in me uh, was that. And so I started my journey off in Al-Anon, and I am still in Al-Anon, and that that's been just a wonderful program for me. I um I come from a, a background uh, my there was always drinking in my family it was normal um, I don't ever remember seeing my dad drunk um, but that doesn't mean he wasn't it was like I just didn't know any different um, I do remember that my job when my dad my dad was a long haul trucker when he got home he would come in with his you know um, twelve pack of beer and it was my job to put it in the fridge and it had to be lined up in this one spot in the fridge with the labels all facing forward and that was that that was what i did so that was my job for for helping with my dad um i i didn't drink when i was uh, like i i think i had a couple of drinks i think it was lemon gin when I was in high school, we, my me and my girlfriends decided we'll give it a try, um, and then we we tried smoking as well, but I wasn't you know I wasn't a, a teenage drinker. Um, when I I started to drink, when I started I started I my first job for work was um, at a police department in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, um, and. I learned to swear and I learned to drink cuz that's what they did you know um uh, you know we had platoon parties I worked shift work um I was a, one of the computer operators so that if they they called in for a criminal record or or any background like that I would provide that you know um so yeah I I you know I started to drink and part of what happened for me then is my family um my family was very very religious, you know, and they belonged to this this um uh religion that decided that if if I did something wrong that they could do what was what's called disfellowshipping you know it's or excommunication, if you want to term it some other way, and so that happened to me. And so my family um, couldn't have anything to do with me from that on, you know. So basically, I was abandoned, and that and and being um, neglected in infancy, the trauma has shaped my life. I will say that. And so, when my drinking really started, you know, I did the platoon parties and all of that stuff. But but my real drinking did start at the same time as a way too numb I didn't want to feel I didn't want to feel how much that hurt to not have my family anymore I just wanted to be numb and you know there's a (laughs) that song comfortably numb that was like that is how I wanted to be and I will tell you that I spent a lot of my early adult life just um on autopilot just trying not to feel uh just to get through my day you know uh go to work um go out with friends repeat you know that was it just auto pilot do do not feel and i will say that you know i did have friends but they were peripheral you know um i never really made any long lasting um attachments you know it was quite easy easy for me to just say okay you know i'm 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 going to move on to other people now you know i'm going to go hang out with other people and and never ever get back you know say anything to those other other friends you know um it i was inconsiderate you know i was very inconsiderate and um i i spent a lot of my life like that i did go i knew i had some issues um i did go into therapy Um, I had a therapist who was very good for me, and he explained family systems to me, things that I didn't know about, because the religion my parents were in, um, they had no, you were not to have any outside interests, or, you know, the religion was everything, so I learned a lot of things by going to therapy, and that kind of stuff. Um, I did, I got married, uh, I got I got divorced. Um, it is still one of the relationships that I owe the, the biggest amends to. Um, and I'm in the middle of writing that out because for years he told me, do not ever contact me. And he got in contact with me a little while ago. And so I'm writing out my amend amends to him because I I, I was... <laughs> I was not a good person. I was not a good person. You know, fidelity meant nothing to me, you know. Um, So I, my values, I violated my own values on a regular basis, you know. Um, And I'm not proud of that, but that is who I was, you know. Um, And I I went through life like that for a long time and and my second relation, long-term relationship, um, was very abusive. Lots of drinking. I mean, it was the focus of our lives. Um, and we came on vacation to BC one year, and and came through Nelson, BC, and that's the the city that I live closest to. It's a half-hour driveway, and I loved it. I was like, oh, I want to live here, and so I did. We we moved. That was uh, we moved, that was in the summer we came through. Um, by the next summer, in May, end of May, the next year, I we were here, um, and I I do love living in BC. I do miss my hometown for sure. I go, get back and visit, but I I uh, I love it here, and it was also the place where I had my son, you know, and it is the place I've gotten sober. And one of the things when I um, was back in Saskatoon. I mean, my our drinking lives were were it was horrendous. Uh, my I was at work one day, and by this time I was working at City Hall, um, and I saw my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, um, going going upstairs. Uh, like I, I was in the you know I was a cashier at City Hall, and so I saw my sister-in-law going up the stairs, um, and I thought, where is she going? When she came back, I said, so. What are you up to? And she said, Well, I I come to uh, I, I I come to an Al-Anon meeting here. And I said, Really? I said, You know, what is that? And she told me, and because my brother drank, my my brother had been sober for a while by this time, and um, I asked her about it, and she gave me um, information about a meeting that I could go to that night. And uh, they were my brother and his wife, they were the people when things got really bad, I would call them, and, you know, and cry and and basically load off on them, you know, so she she gave me that. So I went to Al-Anon um, for that first meeting. Uh, they divided us off to, you know, after the introductions, separated us off and I was in the beginner one and I sat there and. I was annoyed. Um, because it was obvious, like, and, and I did try to talk about my my situation, but they wanted not they did not want to hear what what he was doing to ruin my life, you know, because that was my focus. He is ruining ruining my life. If he would listen to me and do what I want him to do, things would be fine. Well, no, they didn't want to hear that. So I left that meeting, I bought the book. I always buy the book, you know. Um and I kept I never went back to Al Anon in Saskatoon. Um I kept the book, it was on my bed my my bedside table for years. And every now and then when things were really rough, I would pick it up and I would read something from it. Um and finally it got to the point when we were here, like we were in uh it was in MBC already. It got to the point where I really needed to talk to someone and I phoned the Al-Anon helpline. And I spoke to a woman there who was so good with me, you know, and I would call her every now and then just, just to talk, just to talk. And she would always say to me, you know, why don't you come to a meeting? Why don't you come to a meeting? And I didn't for a long, long time. And then I finally did. And by this time I had my son. And I was, you know, they let me bring my son with me. He was, you know, crawling around. Um, I can't remember if he was walking by then. I think he was. Anyways, and and they and you know, and I listened. I did listen, and I stayed. You know, and I got, I got, you know, I got better. I got, I got to understand that I needed to look at me. And what was going on with me, um because yes, I drank, I mean, I still drank, um and then, because I was looking at me, I realized you know that I did have issues, that there were things that 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 affected me and and that I did that I was not proud of, I was not proud of, I wasn't proud of how I treated my first husband you know, I did some of these bizarre things that, you know, I mean, I was very active in my union and where I was at a, you know, I went to one of the the Canada-wide conferences and the president of our union, it was the biggest, biggest union in Canada, and uh, I was drunk at this reception and i walked up to him because i I had met you know and talked to him and and the look on his face of just disgust just disgust um and i remember that because yeah oh it was not a pretty sight you know and there's (laughs) there was one i was in in a city in regina in um, in saskatchewan and it was late at night, we're at, we're at a bar, and I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk back to my to my hotel. I was just so drunk, um, and my friend, you know, he was trying to to help me, but you know, I decided I didn't need any help, so I decided that crawling on my hands and knees in downtown Regina was how I was going to get back to my hotel. And I'm so embarrassed about that, you know. Um, at the time, I thought it was a hoot, but I don't now. It's like, oh, my God. You know, that's that's who I was. And um so I started to remember those things, you know, and and I my I was staying, I decided I uh decided to stay at home with my young son. I'd gone back to work a little while after my maternity leave, and I, I really wanted to be at home with with my son and raise him. So I was at home with my son and I had at this point decided that I couldn't drink anymore. I didn't drink while I was pregnant. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to drink anymore. But I had discovered this other substance that I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to throw up anymore. I don't have to have three-day hangovers anymore. I can do this. So I thought, see, I'm not an alcoholic. I can't possibly be an alcoholic because here I am not drinking and I'm doing this all day. But that was it. I was at home with my son all day from the moment I I got woke up. First thing I would do is walk to the kitchen table and roll myself a joint. And I would stay stoned the whole day, the whole day. And that went on for months. And then um one day I noticed this red uh thing on my son's arm, red lump. It had risen up and I didn't know I didn't know what it was and I lived although I lived rurally I did live across the the road from a a medical clinic so I decided I will take him uh, across to the medical clinic Um, but I can't go when I'm stoned because I don't want them to know that Um, so every day I would wake up and go okay today I'm going to take my son across the street to the medical clinic And I'd get out of bed and I'd go to the kitchen table and I'd roll myself a joint. And I began to realize that um, surely there's something wrong with this. There's definitely something wrong with this. And um, I I was trying to do the the God thing at that time. and, And, you know, I'd climb into bed and I would say, okay, here I am stoned again but here I am you know so this is my prayer you know um please help me you know and I finally decided okay there's something wrong with me not being able to 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 not have a joint and I was going for counseling sessions at this place called access and and I was going as a spouse of an alcoholic and um I was sitting waiting for my appointment and there was an NA poster on the wall and I had those pull-off phone numbers. So I pulled one off and I tucked it in my purse. And I phoned, I phoned that that evening. I phoned that number. And I talked to this woman and I said to her, you know, I'm not an addict, but I can't stop using. And I really believed that, you know, I wasn't an addict. I just was having some trouble not being able to stop using because I wanted to, you know, there was times when I would try, but, you know, we'd be sitting around with people, friends, and the joint would come come around to me. And I, you know, my my firmest resolve was, no, I'm not going to have it. And, you know, but it would pass and I'd go, wouldn't pass me. I, oh, yeah. Okay. So my willpower was nothing like it just it had overtaken me so i she told me about a meeting and i went and um that is my sobriety date is is not the day of the meeting because i was annoyed with myself for not having rolled a joint for the trip home because i lived half an hour out of town and um, had a joint when i got home but the next day i had phone numbers from the from the meeting and no one no one was home until the last person i called and i kept in touch with that person all day the first thing he said to me was get the stuff off the table get your stuff off the table move it away so that you're not seeing it you know simple things like that i don't know why i didn't think of that but i didn't i didn't but but this person helped me that day you know i don't i don't i didn't never see him again at another meeting um but, the, and I don't even remember his name now, but he helped me that day. And that was my first day clean and sober. You know, my last drink was, um, I had cleaned out all of my, you know, like every bit of pot that was in the house, every roach, everything I'd, I'd used it all up. Cause I was decided, I had decided I'm quitting and, um, I was climbing the walls. It was Easter weekend, it, Easter Sunday, and I was just climbing the walls. And I had always had a hidden Mickey underneath my kitchen sink because I didn't want my 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 partner to drink it. And I pulled that Mickey out, and there was about this much left in the bottom of it. And I had no mix, no coke, nothing. It was a bottle of white rum, because that's what I drank. And uh but my son, who really um, he was 18 months at the time my son had his apple juice so that was what i mixed it with and so my last drink was white rum and apple juice and it was gross but you know what it didn't do it it did not do it you know that one is never enough and a thousand is too many that was it so i phoned i you know i phoned and i got some pot delivered to me and um that wednesday that was sunday that wednesday i went to that any meeting you know, um, yeah. And alcohol wasn't on my mind then, you know. I thought I did think that I w- didn't have a problem with it because I, you know, quit so easily. I wouldn't say, you know, I quit getting drunk. Um, but I did go to N.A., you know. I went to Al-Anon and I went to N.A. And I got help. I got help, you know. I started to 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 look at myself more and more, and 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 um, I st- I started to get better. I started to get better, you know. But I I, I did have this thinking that I wasn't an alcoholic, but it got to, I got to the point um, in NA it was and it was a small fellowship, um, is that I was one of the old timers at two years. I was an old timer. And I realized like I'm not like I don't know anything, you know. Um, and I'm you know, yes, I'm trying to help these pe- new newer people that are coming in, you know, and and I, you know, I stayed close in the fellowship and had, you know, friends. But I was not making any progress. So I decided, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try out Alcoholics Anonymous. Because it was a bigger fellowship, it was a huge fellowship, you know, for what we have around here. And so I went. I went to a roundup and um that they had and I listened to the speaker and I just was in tears because everything she said hit home. Everything she said hit home. Sorry, that's my announcement going on my phone. That new is on. <laughs> um, everything she said hit home, and so I was in tears. I I sat there and cried and cried and cried. And when it was when the the meeting was over, I beeline for the door. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. Um, yeah, um, the the person who was speaking, she became my sponsor in AA, and so I would go to meetings. And I didn't think I was an alcoholic, but the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking and I had that I had that, so I sat and i listened and boy, oh boy i-i w- I heard my story, you know, I heard people talking about things that they did, and then my memories about how I drank, you know the crawling on the cement to get back to my hotel room. Those things came back to me I had Lock them off, put them away, and, um, yeah, and I, I, I realized that, you know, I, I guess I am an alcoholic, and what solidified it for me, because I really had trouble with the God stuff, you know, I, I, I tried, I did the fake it till you make it, but I, you know, it just didn't work for me, you know, I remember being, Six years old in Sunday school, and them telling me about Jesus, and I'm going, that's not real. And that's at six years old, and so the, by this point, I had come back to that. Is like, no, that's not for me. But I loved the meetings, and um, I just, you know, I tried working around it. But what solidified me for me about being an alcoholic is there was a, a doctor, was was a person in our fellowship, and he explained the diff- different chemical reaction in the brain that an alcoholic has to other people. And that, that was it. I got it then, you know. I didn't get this moral failing or any of that stuff. I got it when it was explained to me scientifically, you know. And, and that still works for me. You know, when I hear the scientific expl- explanation, it works for me, you know. And so I, I've i been an Alcoholics Anonymous for a number of years now. Um, I just, I, Tommy, who's on here too, him and I just celebrated some long-term sobriety. There he is. <laughs> um, just a... a a week, a week or so ago, I think it's a couple of weeks ago now, you know, and, and so I've got 29 years now, and I am, I, I have a different life now, you know, I'm not the same person, you know, Um, I, I look at my, you know, now I do, I, I won't say that I go through the steps faithfully, but I have absorbed them so that throughout my day, I can look at myself and go, oh, why, why am i feeling this way what's happening with me you know and look at myself on a regular basis you know and I, now i think i'm kind um i know i'm considerate those are things that are different about me now um and my focus really is on um i you know i still go to al anon um but my focus really is on, on um, what am I doing as opposed to what is the other person doing, you know? What am I contributing to this relationship as opposed to, well, what is the other person doing for me, you know? I'm a different person. And I have, I have you know, have these rooms to thank for this. You know, when COVID hit, I found Tasnua And I'm so happy I found Tasnua. You know, this is a great group. I love it here. You know, I've met some wonderful people. And, you know, this secular stuff, I did, like Mark had already mentioned, I did start a secular meeting, you know, in in Nelson, and uh, it shut down over COVID. It's running again. It's back up and running again, which I'm so grateful for. Unfortunately, it's at a time that conflicts. Like, I have my noon meeting, Al-Anon meeting, and it's the only one. Um, that I go to on the same day and the, it's that's at noon and then the secular meetings at five and I can't come back in and I can't stay in town that long. So I can't, I don't make it there regularly, but I'm still so glad that it's going and it's, you know, it's got a solid, it's got a solid group and I'm happy about that. You know, so I do know, I do feel like I've made some contributions, which is great, you know, like, cause I never contributed to anything you know, I mean, yes, I was active in my union and I did do some good work there, but I could have done so much better, more better work. You know, that, that's very poor grammar. If I'd have been sober, you know, being sober has and, and clean. And working on my codependency has just changed my life. And I'm so grateful that for that. Um I've probably missed a whole bunch of things, yeah, you know, thinking about that jails institution death, yep, I was in, in the psychiatric ward for two months, wouldn't, you know, didn't, wouldn't accept help, but I was there because of an attempted suicide, um, but, you know, my life, my life's so different now, now I take medication for depression, um, I, I've been diagnosed with MS, I think it's about uh, 13 years now, I take medication for that. Um, I don't abuse medication anymore. You know, I take as prescribed. And, and I leave it at that. It's a totally different life. And I love it. You know, I am grateful. I think that's all for me. You know, I feel like I've rambled. Um, I hope I've said something that's been useful and helpful to people. Um, but I'll leave it at that. And Mark, thank you for asking me to to speak. Appreciate that.